Chat, chat, everyone. Welcome to Tuscan Radio. I'm your host, Drew Gretsch. A little bit late this time, um, but I'm talking all about Obi-Wan Kenobi, part four. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi plots a daring mission into enemy territory. So this episode has been delayed a little bit by a couple days. Sorry about that. Um, and the reason for that is just there's just been so much online discourse about the, the entire series and this episode in particular. So we only really have one real news thing to talk about this week, and then we're going to jump right on into... Actually, no, we have two things to talk about this week. Um, the first of which is D23 has been announced for this September. Obviously, the big Disney event. It happens every other year. Um, and on Saturday, September 10th, I'm just going to read this directly. Filmmakers, celebrity talent, and surprise guests will join representatives from Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm, amongst others. On stage at Hall D23 at 10 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time. So that's um, noon for me here in Chicago. For those for friends in the Eastern time zone, that's at 1 p.m. To, to showcase their theatrical, and Disney Plus titles. Going behind the scenes of these studios, highlights to films, specials, and series attendees will see exclusive footage and be among the first to learn what else is in the works. So yeah, so it looks like we're going to be getting some sort of Star Wars announcements on September 10th. Hopefully it's a little bit more than we got um, last year on Disney Plus Day. We're all we really got like, there was no news to talk about. All there was is there was a Boba Fett documentary on Disney+. Plus, and there was a um, Kenobi behind-the-scenes thing. It was, like, a minute and a half long that leaked online the day before and was shown to investors one year prior. So, not a whole lot there for um, Star Wars fans last year. So hopefully they have some more to talk about this year at D23. The other thing, the other thing is about the future of Star Wars movies. Now, I could have called this, um, at Celebration, uh, two, three weeks ago now, Kathleen Kennedy made a statement, not on stage, but like to the press, about the next Star Wars movie. And she said that the next Star Wars movie would be Taika Waititi's film. And I I believe that. I believe that. But what she said that was super interesting was that it's coming, that right now they're looking at a target release date of late 2023. Now that's only a year and a half away. If we're going to assume they were going to take the Rogue Squadron December 22nd, 2023 date. That's only a year and a, that's only a year and a half away. Production schedules for the Disney Star Wars movies that were released in December, you know, The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, There's a Skywalker, and Rogue One, all started shooting um, mid to late summer the year prior. Right, like Rise of Skywalker was released in December 2019. They started shooting in like late July or early August of 2018. So. Year and some, some change before. Now, Taika Waititi has a really big movie coming out in like two or three weeks. 
that I just got tickets for, cannot wait for it, called Thor Love and Thunder. Now, Marvel and Star Wars are huge commitments. Huge, huge commitments. And I don't think that Taika Waititi is ready to jump straight from the press for Thor 4 into shooting a Star Wars movie. So, I I said, I, don't, I can't quite remember if I said this on the podcast, but I didn't think this movie was going to come out next year. And Taika has said, that's yet to be seen. I don't know. I'm still writing. I'm still coming up with the ideas and storylining it and just wanted to make sure that it feels like a Star Wars film. Because I could say, oh yeah, we'll just write any old thing and set out and set it in space and then put Star Wars on the front. But it wouldn't be a Star Wars film without certain elements and a certain treatment. So I've just got to make sure that it stays within that wheelhouse. That is exactly what Taika Waititi should be doing. That's exactly what Taika Waititi should be doing right now. He, I mean, this is going to be the first Star Wars movie since Rise of Skywalker. Probably going to come out in 2024. So it'll have been five years since the last film released. Five years. So this this has to be a really special movie. You know, I think that Disney Plus Star Wars, these three live action shows have been solid. They've been solid. I still think Mandalorian is fantastic. Book of Boba Fett and Boba Fett was good. Kenobi, it, I, I, I think it's good. But these last episodes really need to like step it up to be like great. In my opinion. I, I think it's still good, but it it's not great. So Yeah, this is this is exactly what I wanna be hearing from Taika to just you know it's a relief to me to know that he is putting everything in his power into this film. Into this film. Because this is one, one of my most anticipated movies right now. You take something that I love, Star Wars, you and you attach one of the best directors today. And you can, can, can disagree with me on that. I'm not a big fan of everything that Taika does. I, I'm one of the people that didn't love Jojo Rabbit. You know? Um... Loved Ragnarok. I loved that movie. I really loved uh, What We Do in the Shadows. The, the movie and the show. I think the show is better than the movie. Um, I thought his episode of The Mandalorian. This is, he directed Chapter 8 Redemption. The season 1 finale. I thought that was a great episode. Um, can't wait for Thor 4. I already said that. So I really am excited for this movie. I really want Taika to take his time. And really get this movie into, like, a good place. I just kind of want to know what the movie's, like, what time period it's being set for. Like, what, when are they thinking this movie's going to take place? Because that, to me, then from that, I, I can, like, maybe start to, you're going to start to maybe theorize a little bit about uh, what the movie's about. I mean, we know that it's set after the events of episode 9. Again, I... I said this a lot last week. I really love that this show, or that these new movies are all set after Rise of Skywalker. We can keep the story moving forward. Because I like that the shows are, like, filling in some of the gaps. I'm really excited that the Acolyte's telling a new story in a new time period that we've never seen before. Set, I think, like, a hundred years before Phantom Menace. You know? And, and I've been saying for years now, show show me a thousand years in either direction. 
like start of Phantom Menace go a thousand years prior or start with the Rise of Skywalker and go a thousand years after. Either of those, I think you can do some really great and unique Star Wars storytelling. So that's it for the new guy for the news guys. Oh oh actually no, that's not it for the news. There's also some news. Obi-Wan Kenobi is coming to theaters on June 22nd in select Cineplex theaters. Um, they're going to play the entire season in theaters with a Q&A. And I'll tell you this. If there is a theater near me that's playing Kenobi, I'm going. I'm 100% going to this. Because... I mean, regardless of how I feel about the show, seeing Star Wars in a theater is a really special experience. It's a really special experience. I hope there's something that they do with all the new shows. You know? I'm just imagining right now, like, with with Andor, right? Like, you go to a theater, and it's, like, 12-hour Andor marathon. You know, you, you bring a blanket, you bring a pillow. I think that could be fun. I think that could be fun. I, I, I hope that they do that. But I feel like this is probably just because Kenobi is such a big event. Uh, so, yeah. I just wanted to let you guys know about that. June 22nd, Kenobi is going to be in theaters, followed by a Q&A after. So, I wonder if this... I, I'm not even... Oh, it's a live Q&A. Okay. So, looks like it'll be live streamed. So, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. So, now it's a good segue because now it's time to actually talk about this week's Kenobi episode. So, Kenobi this week was an interesting one. I didn't love this episode. I also didn't hate it. I thought it was... I thought it was a decent episode of Obi-Wan. I thought it was a decent episode. Um, you know, I really, though, I, I just think that this show... Like, needed a longer runtime. Need a longer runtime. But, I mean, this is always a podcast where I only want to talk positive about Star Wars. There's so much, like, negative Star Wars coverage out there. All I want to do is talk positively. Um, so, positively, this was fun. This was a fun episode. I, I mean... Being a being a fan of Jedi Fallen Order, man, seeing Fortress Inquisitorious in live action, and also seeing like, oh, we saw some Purge Troopers. We saw Purge Troopers. We saw Obi Wan like literally enter uh, Fortress Inquisitorious the same way that Cal Kessis did five years prior, which I thought was super cool. I really love that. Just that that just makes the universe feel like connected. It, it makes it feel like a cinematic franchise where everything impacts each other. Not as much so as Marvel, but still you have that here a lot with with Star Wars. So I I think that the acting in this show is quite good. I think the acting in, in this show has been quite good. Um, I I thought Reva's... 
Reva as a character has been kind of hit or miss for me. Because on the one hand, I really like that she is, ex- like, she is, like, more of an extreme inquisitor. Like, she is going the extra steps to, like, do her job to just finish the task at hand and to win. My problems with Reva, though, in, in this show are that she doesn't necessarily think all the way through. Like, Reva to me seems like a character who has a plan, and she's like, all right, how can I get Kenobi? And the answer, twice, has been kidnap Leia. So, but she doesn't then think what, what are the op, like, what are the consequences for that? particularly if it doesn't go as planned. And I think that she learned from her last mistake in, in part two, where Obi-Wan and, and Leia got, got away. And, you know, she put um, a tracker on the Lola droid. She put a tracker on the Lola droid. Um, but, you know, the other thing in this episode, I, I, I thought this was the worst part of the episode right here. Reva has the same kind of, like, it seems, force, mind, infiltration that we see Kylo Ren have, you know? Because we know that, like, not every force user has the same force abilities, right? Like, um, Cal Kestis and Quinlan Voss, who've been re- referenced in the show, they have the ability of, like, they can, like, sense echoes through the force, like, they can touch an object and they can feel its history. So, it maybe not everyone has the ability to, like, force heal. You know, just to maybe headcanon some of the mediocrity out of the Rise of Skywalker. But, you know, it seems like Reva has one of the, has the same ability that Ben Solo has. Years on the road. Of being able to, you know, just, like infiltrate your mind with the force and take information we, we we've seen her do it before we saw her do it with um with owen lars we saw her do it with um was, I, I don't think we saw her, her do it with flea she did it with um kumail nanjiani's character and she's been doing this for probably for a long time, you know. And she just can't crack this ten-year-old girl's mind. She she just can't do it, and doesn't, you know, sense. Oh no, this is this child has probably one of the highest midi-chlorian counts in the entire galaxy, you know. Being the offspring of Anakin Skywalker, my boss Darth Vader, which so we that's not been explained on how she 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 knows that, because that's like a big thing. That that's a big thing, the fact that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Like two people figured it out, Tarkin figured it out, and Thrawn figured it out, and both times he almost killed them. Vader almost killed those guys. I have no idea how Reva figured that out. Because it's not like common knowledge. So, 
that I think is my one. That's my one big problem with the episode. I have a couple of smaller nitpicks, like it was so easy to break onto the base. It's so easy. Um, and it's also super easy to, to escape. Um, but that, th- those are just like smaller nitpicky things. They're lazy. They that, There were things in this episode that were lazy. But I, I'm willing to forgive that because I really want to end up loving this show. And it can still do that. I, I can still end up loving the show. And, I, and I'm hopeful because these last two episodes are both written by Andrew Stanton. And Andrew Stanton, we talked about this a, little, a while back on the show. Andrew Stanton, um, let, let, let's look at some things that he's written. Let's look at his IMDb writer, writer's credits. He wrote Toy Story. He wrote A Bug's Life. He wrote Toy Story 2. He wrote Monsters, Inc. He wrote Finding Nemo. He wrote Wally. He wrote Toy Story. Uh, no, he, he developed the story for Toy Story three. He wrote John Carter. He wrote Finding Dory. He wrote Toy Story four. Okay. So he's done a lot of great writing work, and he's a huge Star Wars fan. So I, I'm very hopeful, and I, I trust that these last episodes are going to be fantastic with him writing. You know, I. I just hope it's it, that they're more like Torse that, that they're more like Toy Story than they are um, Finding Dory, you know. And I don't, I don't hate Finding Dory. I, I like Finding Dory. I, I like all the Pixar movies. I, I think they're all good. Um, I actually haven't rewatched Cars two in years. That used to be my favorite movie. I have not watched it in like a decade because in my mind it's this great film, and I know that if I rewatch it. At this point in my life, I'm going to be completely disappointed. So I've just decided I'm never going to rewatch Toy Story 2. Or not to- to Toy Story 2, Cars 2. I'm never going to rewatch Cars 2 because I know it'll stop being... Um, it's going to ruin my childhood My childhood if I watch it again. <laughs> so, yeah. But Andrew Stanton, I have a lot of faith in him to really bring this show back around and finish it strong. Because I, you know, I thought episode one was phenomenal. I thought the first episode of the series was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I thought episode two was good. I thought it was a lot of fun, but it wasn't as good as episode one. I thought part three last week, that might be one of my favorite Disney Plus episodes ever. You know, that's like right up there with um, uh, Moon Knight, episode five, Asylum. It's right up there with the sixth episode of Book of Boba Fett. Because uh, I, I, I do think that is some of the best that's, one of the best hours of Star Wars to ever exist is Boba Fett Chapter 6. That episode was f- fantastic, in my opinion. So, Andrew Stanton, I have a lot of faith in him to, you know, finish this series off strong. I I just hope that Leia doesn't get captured again. I also don't think we're, we're going to get a flashback at this point. I, I don't think we're going to be getting a flashback at this point in the series. I also, I think we're totally going to see Qui-Gon, though. Qui-Gon is totally going to pop up at some point here. Probably the beginning of Part 6 is my guess. The beginning of Part 6, or maybe like halfway through Part 5. 
halfway through part five or the beginning of part six. That's my prediction. And and I'm willing to put like, and I'm willing to say like the first half of the episode or second half of the episode. Like I I think it's gonna like part five if it happens there will be in the middle chunk, or it's gonna be the first fifteen minutes twenty minutes of part six is where I think he'd show up if he's in it at all. That's where he'd be. Um. So we're we're also starting to see some of the, the very formations of the very dawn of the rebellion here. So one thing, one thing here with this this episode that people are complaining about is the speeders. Now that I don't think is like a problem. Here's why. It's canonical, not in the reference book. It's canonical from the movie, from the Empire Strikes Back, that the I believe it's T-47. The, 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 the T-47 airspeeders can be converted for any terrain. And they even say that in Empire Strikes Back. That um, that the, like something, something along the lines of the speeders are having trouble adapting to the cold. To the cold of Hoth. So, that... I, I You know, I, I can see why like on the surface some people would think it breaks canon. It doesn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the visual effects, though, particularly for that, were a little bit, a little bit shoddy, in my opinion. Um, the other thing with that rebel who died, uh, Wade, Wade. That was supposed to be like a big thing, and people are saying, you know, I didn't care about the character. I don't think we were supposed to. I don't think we we were supposed to. We were supposed to see the moment where the the members of the path, where the path transforms from just like an underground railroad for Jedi to maybe being like one of the first rebel cells. Because they're very clear. We're not soldiers. And at the end of the episode, like, you're, you're soldiers now. So, and also... That was the first time Leia ever saw someone give their life for a, a greater cause. That was the first time Leia ever saw someone give their life for a greater cause. It was in this episode. And I think that's super important. Um, oh, yeah. The other thing in this episode that I thought was pretty laughable. Tala. Tala just slap a stormtrooper. Just slaps him. And he goes down. Stormtrooper armor does absolutely nothing. And it wasn't even like a hard... It wasn't a punch. It was just like a slap across the helmet. And he went down. And he went down. I, I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. That that was a little bit ridiculous. Um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of, of the fifth brother. I I'm a little bit exhausted of the fifth brother. The fifth brother is just like always like he's he spends he spent the entire series so far just like complaining to Vader and the Grand Inquisitor. About Riva. You know? 
He's been complaining about Riva the entire time. Um, and you'd also think that, like, I don't know, Fortress Inquisitoris would be a little bit more, like, guarded. Like, not, not even on the base, but, like, the outside, like, the atmosphere of the planet. You know, it's the home of the Inquisitors. But also considering the fact that it's, like, right next to Mustafar, where Darth Vader lives. You know? Like, I just thought that was a little, that was a little bit ridiculous. Um, but I thought the most interesting part of the episode, I thought the most interesting part of this episode was when Obi-Wan was walking around, he's, he, he, he sees all these, like, Jurassic Park amber things. And we see a youngling there. We see, um, T- Tari Sanube from the Clone Wars, obviously the, the the Jedi from season two who helped out Ahsoka with um finding her lost lightsaber. We saw him there, so we know that he died. Um, they don't really focus in on anyone else, really. Someone said that they saw like Mace Windu in there. I don't particularly see that. That being Mace Windu. But it's possible. It's possible. But I think that if it if that was Mace Windu, if that was Mace Windu in there, then you know it they would have focused in. They would have focused in on. Him. But yeah, uh, I'm a little bit worried about Quillen Voss. Like I don't want Quillen Voss to be dead. I don't want Quillen Voss to be dead. Uh, that's just kind of sad. I don't want Clint Boss to die. I also really, I also really love the scene where Obi Wan ends up like freeing Leia. I thought that scene was was really good. Um, just like seeing the lightsaber being illuminated in the darkness, like that. Just the the cinematography of that, I thought was really quite cool. That was really awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else personally to say about the episode, but we do have some listener feedback here coming in from the boss. I'm just going to pull this up. Um, all right. So the boss says, Ooh, the boss hugely disappointed with this episode, especially after the fantastic episode three, this was another rescue mission. Like what? I think we have to call out the terrible writing and directing. I've said before, star Wars going forward should be given to John to Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and Bryce Ellis Howard as creative, con- as creative control. Honestly, everyone else just messing up. I don't entirely disagree with you. I also don't necessarily agree with you either. Because Deborah Chow, Deborah Chow's episodes of The Mandalorian were fantastic. Her episodes in season one were some of the best of that season. And I still think that she's done a really good job with like directing... Um, the, the bulk of the series, the bulk of the series. So, and again, also, you can't really blame the director for, um, something that happens in a show, even when it's just one director, because it's really what the writers, what the writers say. It's, it's the writer story. It's the opposite of, of how it works in, in film, where the director is in charge of the whole thing. The writer is below them. Instead, here, 
with television, it's the opposite, with the writers on top, directors below. But, I mean, it's still just one director. But, yeah. Yeah, I also don't think you can make that comparison about one episode. Like, also, just look at the writing staff for for Andor. Yeah, I really didn't talk about this either. Writing staff for Andor, now i got to pull this up on the, on the fly. Um, these writers are great. Obviously, we have Tony Gilroy, who saved Rogue One. Uh, his brother, Dan Gilroy, the writer of, like, things like Real Steel. Oh, what else is Dan Gilroy done? So we can just pull up the uh, greatness there, like the the Bourne franchise, um, you know, Stephen Schiff, who was, he was a writer on The Americans, he was a writer on The Americans, great show, so, and then the other one here is uh, Bo Willimon, Bo Willimon, oh my god, there's so much here, there's House of Cards, he was the creator of House of Cards, he created that show. He is writing episodes of Andor. So, Andor it looks like hopefully it's going to be more like The Mandalorian than the Book of Boba Fett and Company. And again, I still like both of these shows. I still like Book of Boba Fett. I still like Kenobi. There are, it can be turned around for me. With If these last two episodes are fantastic. If these last episodes are fantastic, it this I'll say that this was a great show. But and and, and I hope that's the case. I, I really do hope that's the case. Um, all right. The boss continues. This was such a short episode. No risk, no fear. Just a comical trope. There was zero fear. Riva would do anything. I didn't mind Leia this episode. Thought she played it well. Okay. Well, here's the other thing. And and I agree with you there about uh about the actress who's playing Leia, uh, Vivian uh, Lyra Blair. She's, I think, fantastic. I, I I think she's the best part of the show. I think that she's doing a phenomenal job. So, that's the other thing. The short run time, these episodes need to be longer. We can't have these 38-minute things, especially when the season's only six episodes. Like, the... If you're going to have a six-episode season, the episodes should be, you know, these lengths that we're seeing with, like, Stranger Things of over an hour. I mean, we just heard that the Stranger Things 4 finale is going to be two hours and 19 minutes. For comparison, that's, like, the average runtime of a Star Wars show. And, by the way, I, I'm loving Stranger Things right now. I think it's great. So, there's that with the runtime, but there's also the fact that we've seen these main characters pop up later on in the franchise. So any real, like, tension, you can just think, oh, wait, no. Because we see them in future movies. So they're fine. So they're fine. Um, Alright, then this next thing. Darth Vader hates disappointment, yet keeps on giving Riva chances. That's another thing that I'm having a bit of a problem with. Having a bit of a problem with, like... Vader should have killed Reva. Like, Reva having Kenobi, having Kenobi there, but then losing him for a second time, that should have been the last straw. That should have been the last straw there. 
So I agree with you there. Vader, this is not the Vader that we were promised, but also, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I do think that Vader is going to be killing Riva at the end, though. Vader is probably going to kill Riva at the end of the series. Uh, when did Riva mess about with Lola to make it into a spy? I looked for that my, my second, third time watching this episode. I, from what I gather, that was when it was when she took, um, it was when she took Lola, and was talking about her her, her droid because that's the only time on screen that we see uh, Reva with Lola. And because it's, like, kind of an important plot device, I think especially moving forward, it's going to be something that we're, that we're seeing on screen. And I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. All right. Inquisitorious, great power base. And they just got in like that. Honestly, I could go on, but it's just increasing my anger and disappointment. Yeah. I thought that the way that they broke into... Um, the base was a little bit that that was a bit of a disappointment for me that was just that easy it was just that easy um especially after cal castus broken like the the same way like literally the same way so yeah it's i i'm kind of disappointed by it but i mean we have two episodes left to turn it around. You have two episodes left to turn it around. But if this next episode, if, if part five is more like this, if it's more like this where it's just kind of like meandering on and on and on before the finale, I'm going to get disappointed. And this show is probably not going to be um, one that... I think is right at the end. I'll probably rank it lower than Book of Boba Fett if this next episode on on Wednesday is not if it doesn't feel important, you know. And and I'm not calling this filler. I'm not calling this filler, but it just kind of it just kind of feels like this is a story that's supposed to be a movie and is now being stretched out to six episodes. I've, I, that's just how I feel. So I feel, and I don't want to feel that way because I, I love this character. You know, the, the prequels, more Clone Wars than the prequels, but the prequels also. Those are movies I grew up with. I grew up with with Ewan and Hayden. You know, I I watched Attack of the Clones so many times when I was like in second grade. I love the movie. Like that was my favorite movie for a long time. Was Attack of the Clones. Um, but, so, I mean, having Ewan and Hayden there, I was really hyped for this show. I was really hyped for this show. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people were, a lot of people were instantly excited for for the series. And you can't also, you also just can't determine, you can't review something based on what it's not. You cannot review a property based on what it's not. For example, if there was no Toby Maguire and there was no Andrew Garfield and Spider Man No Way Home, if that were the case, I would have said on an, on another Marvel podcast, which by the way, Ms. Marvel episode dropping 
on Wednesday there. We got our after show for that. Plus, I just did a review of the first four episodes of The Boys Season 3. Love the season so far. Go check that out. Um, this... Uh, 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 I would have said, I'm a little bit sad we didn't see them, but I'm not going to hold that against the movie because that's not the story that they were that they told. You know? But, I mean, Toby and Andrew were in the movie, and they were great in it, and it was awesome. So... You don't ground something. You don't grade something based on what it's not. You grade something based on what it is, and you know, honestly, I'm just, I'm just happy we're getting new Star Wars. I'm just happy we're getting new Star Wars, um, and the 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 Star Wars is made by people who care. You know, it's made by people who really care about it, and that's what makes me happy. And it's Star Wars. That I am entertained by. You know, if I'm entertained by it, good. And, and I was entertained by this episode. Now, was there much to think about after it? Not really. But I still enjoyed this week's episode of Kenobi. Except for these next two. Hey, and even if these next two episodes aren't phenomenal. Like, even if they're, like, solid. Like, solid 7 out of 10s. I'll be happy with that. I mean, I I would like for them to be a little higher, but, like, particularly coming from Andrew Stanton. Particularly coming from him. But, again, if not, just entertain me. And make make me smile with your Star Wars. And I'll, I'll talk about it in a positive way. So... Yeah, there's my soapbox. It's all done now. Um, thank you guys so, so, so much for listening to the podcast this week. Um, we have a new episode of another Marvel podcast dropping Wednesday. Also, remember, Wednesday morning is going to be my instant take on Kenobi Part 5. Remember that. It'll be like five or ten minutes. Uh, Wednesday morning, you'll have my media thoughts on the episode. So, yeah. So, Make sure you uh, check that out when it drops. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. I'm Drew Grouch. Go follow us on Twitter at Tustin Radio Pod. And may the force be with you always. I have spoken.